Welcome to the World Nomads podcast, delivered by World Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand. There's something about the islands here that touches people's souls. Hopefully we're making an impact in the world that people will stop killing and culling sharks. It looked like snot and it smelled bad, but then let that put you off. It was good for you. <laughs> what else in the world are you going to see the condor three meters right in front of you? No, absolutely. There. I'm not sure Rock if I want to see the out. condor three meters in front of me. So many things in our society that are throwaway and we see those things on our beaches, on our coastline. Has anyone ever pooped themselves? <laughs> Sometimes the Germans can come off as cold. Uh, I think it's important to remember what has happened, but also look forward to the into the future and, and be positive about it. And that's, I think, what Germans are. It offers travelers the opportunity to teach English to children and experience the Panamanian... Oh, that's going to be... Speaking of teaching yeah. English... <laughs> I've got to learn to speak it. We were all told that you can't take a leak into the river. You can't <laughs> urinate into the river mm. because there's a parasite that will swim up your urine stream. Mm. Yeah, Phil, um, <laughs> you... Uh... An idiot? <laughs> <laughs> it's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous independent traveller. Yes, thanks for tuning in. And Phil, this episode, we're off to Finland. Finland, Finland, a country I'd look quite like to be. The country has land borders with Sweden to the northwest, Norway to the north, and Russia to the east. But this episode, we learn about Finland's little brother complex that it fills with Sweden. Ooh, plus their love of saunas, capturing the stunning northern lights, and travelling solo. So, who's in the episode? Did I hear you ask that? I'm asking that, yes. <laughs> Who's in the episode? Who's in the episode? <laughs> Sandisha has written a story for World Nomads on Finland in winter and will share her experiences. Kristen is a solo female traveller. Gee, she packed a lot into a week in Finland, didn't she? Wait <laughs> <laughs> to hear. And Maddie, she talks stripping down and experiencing a sauna finish style. But kicking off, what's your quiz question for this all episode? Right, I've hinted at geographical bent already, but of all the countries with which Finland shares a border, which is the longest, which is the longest border. Phil Sudeshna is a World Nomads <laughs> contributor. She has written for us a story on Finland in winter. And when you think of Finland, you kind of associate it with yep. winter, don't you? That's what you're looking at, yep. And Sudeshna, it was a bucket list place for you and your partner to go to Finland and in particular see the Northern Lights. Did did you achieve it? Were you able to tick it off? Absolutely. It was it was an incredible trip. And yeah, we were very lucky. I think the first night that we went up north to Lapland, we got to see the Northern Lights and we saw it a couple of times during our trip. So short answer, yes. And it was incredible. I was going to say, is it as amazing as people say? I mean, I, I, it's one of those things. It's like fireworks on TV. It's nothing like what it is in real life. Yes. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um a lot of times when you tend to sort of have high expectations from from an ex- experience, uh, you feel underwhelmed um, when you're actually doing it. But this this is, I think, every bit um, as beautiful and mind-blowing as it appears to be. Um, I, I think there's something about um, the, the fireworks analogy is great, actually, because um, it is literally like a fireworks show in the sky but it's it's natural and um, i think there's something very surreal about it there's um it's um it's it's magical um so i really feel like this is one of those things that um you know you have to see to believe um even though as cliche as that sounds um 
and yeah, when when, when you do experience it, it's um, it's, it's like a pinch me moment. So I, I highly up, recommend. I grew up in Tasmania, next stop Antarctica. So I have seen the aurora australis, which is the southern lights, on a regular basis. And when I first saw it, wow! Driving across the bridge home from work, the sky was green, and I I literally thought that we were being taken over by aliens. <laughs> it was just. It was like something had just come over us. And it kind of like wraps all oh, around it's you. spectacular. It's like, yeah, it wow. really is. I really want to see it. Yeah. Re- yeah. Well, you need You're to go. You're so lucky. That's next on my list. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, and to see oh, it, we would see it regularly. You'd stop at Kim's place. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've got a place down there you can stay in. So that, that sounds Amazing. beautiful. And look, was it cold, bitterly cold? It was. Um, I mean, obviously, we, um, you know, you expect it to be cold. And this is March, so springtime is elsewhere in the world, I guess, in the Northern Hemisphere. But um, uh, honestly, sort of meters of snow and even even sort of when we landed in, in, in the... Uh, um, in the capital city, which which is sort of south of the Arctic Circle, nothing prepares you for how cold it can get. Seriously, so um, yeah, it, it's it's very cold, but um, I, I think and that's where planning is really important because this isn't a trip you can do sort of on a whim. You've really got to work it out and plan and um, uh, you know where you stay, etc. But a lot of the uh, resorts there, so the slightly higher end ones, but again, pricing there's much of a muchness. Um, they kind of provide you with a lot of um, ski gear, you know, so outerwear, boots, um, that kind of thing, which definitely helps. But you have to be prepared to wear many layers of the warmest clothes you can get your hands on. Now, speaking of accommodation, you've actually slept in a glass igloo. Yes, that's right. So we were staying at the Tax Louch and Arctic Resort, which is, um, uh, I, I think, the first sort of glass igloo resort um, in Finland or in, in the world, even perhaps. And now there's quite a few, and obviously it's, it's very, um, it's splashed all over social media. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty special. Um, mind you, though, the igloos, the actual igloos, uh, uh, they can be quite small and um, functional, let's say, uh, but. Um, yeah, there's just something about um, lying there on the bed and staring up at the sky. Uh, we didn't get to see the northern lights from the igloo, but, you know, many people have, so... <laughs> oh, no, that's just too much. Oh, that that would be... That honestly, yeah, that would be you would just be loving yourself sick if you had those experiences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is fascinating. Now, yeah. the thing about world nomads too is we like the idea of getting off the beaten track, and you did exactly that with some sort of snow safari. Well, um, yeah. So again, so what happens in this region is that um, activities for travelers are fairly standardized. You know, you have your dog sledding, you have your snowmobiles, uh, uh, you know, everybody uses it. That's sort of the main means of transport for people there because literally you're, um, you know, like I said, meters of snow as far as the eye can see. There's really no other way of, of traveling other than horses and reindeers, of course. Um, so, yeah, snowmobile safaris, etc., are, are fairly standard. But one thing we got to do, um, so just to provide some context, we were based in the um, Inari Sari Selka region, which is pretty much sort of as far up north as, as you can go in Finland. Um, 
in, in terms of sort of being near a um, fairly close to an airport and civilization and that kind of thing. Um, the really intrepid could obviously venture out to sort of camp out in the snow further north, I guess. Um, but anyway, so in this region, um, uh, there's this um, snow tank safari that they, that this one particular um, guy runs, which was really cool. Basically, it's, it's a, a massive um, army tank that he's repurposed into a recreational vehicle. Um, and what it does is it gets, because it's this big, powerful monster, it really sort of takes you off the beaten track and like into... Um, forests and like really uh, further afield than you could probably go in any other vehicle, which means um, you just get a lot better access to um, to getting to see the Northern Lights because the key to that is to be away from light pollution. So the closer you are to sort of towns and um, um, civilization and that kind of thing, uh, the chances of seeing the lights are lower. Because the lights are on constantly. They run all year round even. But you need um, clear, dark skies. Um, no pollution. So, exactly. So, um, and, and that's why the snow tank safari is pretty cool. And, I mean, yeah, there's something about driving around in a tank, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, so, you, you wish you yeah. could have it in traffic at home, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Look, actually, well no, Yes. <laughs> we've got an article uh, on World Nomads about how to shoot the northern lights. And um, there I found when, when I was reading that there is a uh, website called Aurora Forecast and they will tell mm-hmm. you there's a thing called the KP index, kilo papa, KP mm-hmm. index, index. Zero mm-hmm. meaning unlikely to be any uh, borealis and ten being it's going to blow your socks off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they say you can hmm. check that before you go. And obviously the further south you go, the higher the KP index needs to be for you to be able to see them. So if you're in those very right. extreme northern parts of Finland, you'll see them when the KP index is just above zero when it's from one and what have you. So, so this is something we can share in show notes? We can share it in show notes. So fantastic contribution from um, uh, a, a, a professional photographer on how to shoot the Northern Lights. Sadeshna, did you get some good shots right. yourself? That's, that's a great question. Just about the, um, the indexing thing that you were talking about, Phil, mm. um, I just wanted to make a point that there's actually quite a few websites that do this kind of Aurora Borealis forecasting, which is, which is great. Um, in, in fact, like hotels and resorts, they tend to sort of have like a, a Northern Lights calling system where if you want and you're in bed and if, if, you know, the lights are spotted, they'll give you a quick call and then you sort of jump out and rush to wherever. But, uh, you, you've got to sort of <laughs> t- temper that with the fact that usually for people traveling from overseas, um, you know, you've only got a limited number of, yep. Of days there, um, and then I think what tends to happen is a lot of a lot of times people travel there. You know, they, they probably spend five, six days a week and not gotten to see it even once. So a, a lot of it is down to luck. But there are some ways that you can plan ahead in terms of timing um, that, that, that that are worth um, thinking about when when you're actually planning the trip. Um, I've actually got a little blog post about it that I can okay. share the link with you guys later. So about photography, here's another interesting thing we found. You can see the lights a lot clearer through the lens of a camera than you can with 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 your own eyes um, for, for 
for whatever reasons, I'm, I'm, I'm not a great photographer, but um, the, it actually, so, so the pictures that you see on social media, um, et cetera, of, of other people's pictures, whatever, um, it actually, you know, the, the vibrancy of the colors and all of that are, uh, are a lot richer in photographs. But regardless, I mean, just seeing it live is, of course, um, an incredible experience. Um, so, yeah, we did get some good shots. Sounds absolutely fantastic. We will share your story in show notes, which also features uh, reindeers and dogs sledding with huskies, um, yep. Phil, but we're going to be touching on that a little later in the episode right. when we catch up with Chris. Sure. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. Um, one point I really want to make is obviously everyone, a lot of people carry um, iPhones or, or you know mobile phones for photographs, as did we. It is so cold that um, the phones actually um, freeze up and die. That's what happened to me the first time. So um, a good tip is to keep your phone sort of really close to your body um, when you're sort of traveling around in a snowmobile or whatever, if, if, if you're outdoors, obviously, um, so, so that it, stay, it, it gets that uh, warmth and stays on. Otherwise, you could be in a situation where you're out there and you're trying to capture a photograph and your equipment isn't working. That's a disaster, I think. That is one of the best tips I think I've been been given. Make it back to the uh, glass igloo with an iPhone frozen to your ear. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you for being part of the podcast. Hey, no worries. Now, coming up in the podcast, Phil, we're going to be chatting, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, one of the judges for the Solo uh, Traveller Awards. So it kind of makes sense in this podcast on Finland to chat to Kristen. She's an award-winning expert on solo female travel. She's travelled the world alone, hitchhiked, believe it or not, hitchhiked across China. Oh, what? Yes. She's scubaed some of the deepest dives that you can scuba. Okay. And she's also been to Finland. Ah. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thanks for having me, guys. It's an absolute pleasure. So, a solo travel a traveler in your blog, which is bemytravelmuse.com, which we'll share in the show notes, you say that you've never had a trust fund. So, how long, <laughs> how long have you been traveling and why on your own and how are you funding it? So, it's been about six years now. And I, well, the reason why I started on my own was just because no one else was at a point in their lives where they could just join me for a long-term trip. And so I started to realize that I would have to go alone if I was going to go at all, or I might just be waiting forever. So that is what inspired it. And as far as funding it, I, I now fund it through my blog and social media channels. So it's been really wonderful being able to build this passion into a way of life and a career. What's the saying here at World Nomads, Phil? Turning your passion into a profession. That's it. <laughs> That's yep. exactly what you've done. So tell us, how long did you spend in Finland? I was in Finland for about a week. I was up in Lapland in, let's see, I think it was February, right in, right in the middle of winter. I was going to say, that must have been pretty cold. You know, it wasn't so bad. I've actually been in worse. But it's all about what you wear, right? It's, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad outfit choices. <laughs> yeah, we know about that. Phil's wearing a purple jumper, right? but it suits him. <laughs> it suits him. So what? At least you didn't say lavender. <laughs> no, it's not lavender. Lapland. What can you tell us about Lapland? Oh, it's just magical. I mean, you've got ice hotels and reindeer safaris and dog sledding, and it's also, they say, where Santa Claus lives. So I went and visited him while I was there as well. 
And what did you ask for for Christmas? <laughs> More travel, I hope, yes. <laughs> you did all of those things. So, well, let's start with the ice hotel because that fascinates me because I'm not great with cold, as you may have guessed already, because of my purple jumper. Yeah, and uh, it's about 18 <laughs> degrees, Kristen, here in Sydney at World Nomads headquarters. How was it in the ice hotel? Um, so I just visited to walk around it and take a look. I didn't actually stay there for the night, um, but they have really thick furry um, blankets. Sauna is a huge thing in Finland, so you've always got that as an option as well. You can sweat it out and then dunk it in a hole cut out of the ice in a lake or something like that. I did that too. It was crazy. Now, how does a sauna work with an ice hotel? I mean, saunas are all designed to, you know. (laughs) It gets lower and lower and lower. (laughs) Exactly. Does Does the ice hotel's walls start melting? No, they can't really have it in the ice hotel. <laughs> Maybe that's something you need to do first, and then you can go hang out in the ice hotel. There's a lot of them up there. It just depends on which little town you're in. I visited two. So speaking of saunas, there are almost as many saunas in Finland as there are people. Did you feel that, even in Lapland? <laughs> they had even a sauna gondola at the one and only ski area up there, and so I went and did that, and that was a cool experience, but... Yeah, it's a huge part of the culture, and I can understand why it gets so cold there in the winter, and it's wonderful to alternate between the extreme heat of a sauna and then dunking into the water. I really had to be talked into it, but now it's something that I do of my own volition all the time. I've actually been to Helsinki. I haven't explored much of Finland. I was in Helsinki for a few days, and I, you know, noticed how many saunas there were there. There was one on every floor of the hotel. And I went up to the old um, Olympic Games swimming pool. I think we were 56 or something. They had the Olympic Games there, summer games. So it was an outdoor pool. Right. I was there in summer. It was fine. But there was a sauna inside the change rooms as well. I I found the sauna etiquette a little bit confronting, Kristen, um, you know, because everybody's getting in the nude pretty quick. <laughs> in the nude. And, and I, I found it a little – how did you cope with it? Um, actually, this is really common in Berlin, Germany, where I base myself as well. So, you know, nudity is not super common in the States, but in Europe it's a lot more free, and I actually think it's a beautiful thing. I thought it would be weird, but I actually like how relaxed everyone is about it, not making it a big deal. And there's a whole list of etiquette, which we'll share in show notes, but things like you can't discuss your political persuasions, you can't discuss your religion. There are just, you know, they've got a list of things that you actually... A sauna is a safe place. Yeah, a sauna is a safe place, yeah. Did you experience those rules or are they written up somewhere for you? Um, Well, ideally, people just don't talk at all in the sauna. Well, you're nude for a second, so, so you know, yeah. have to strike up a conversation. Awkward. <laughs> Look, I've just noticed that mole on you. <laughs> you should get that checked out. Yeah, you should get that checked out. Um, now, I'd like to touch on those two other activities that you chatted about, the dog sledding and the reindeer, reindeer safari. Fa- safari. Like, ethically, dog sledding, would you have to pick a company that treat their well, obviously you would have to pick a, a company that treats their the dogs animals. right yeah. but how do you do that how did you pick your company you know for the most part these guys look at their dogs as family and i know that there was some really horrifying news out of canada a few years ago and i think that's kind of given the whole industry a somewhat bad name but you know you talk to the people in the area who have dogs and it's their whole lives 
what consumes them. And so it's pretty easy to see that the people really do care for the dogs when you show up there. And the dogs are dying to run. They cannot wait. Like, it's just what they're, they want to do so badly. I mean, these are huskies. Anyone who knows huskies knows they want to run. <laughs> so is it cool then in, a, in a, a reindeer park in, you know, the middle of winter? To me, with your Santa Claus reference, it's just a storybook that's coming to life. Did it feel like that for you? A little bit. I mean, um, you know, reindeer is actually a hugely important animal to the people up in Lapland historically and still. Um, so they will let their animals be sort of free range when the trees and berries are in bloom so that they can go eat and eat the moss and all of that kind of thing. But the fur and the meat is a huge part of survival up there. And so even now you'll see a lot of menus and salmon and things like that it's up to each individual but i don't actually even eat meat and i feel fine about the dog sledding because i can just see that that's what they want to do we'll share your website um your blog be my travelnews.com which will have details on books that Kristen's also written where are you off to next i'm actually sitting in bali airport now and i'm heading back to berlin for about a month yeah, I wouldn't mind your lifestyle. Yeah, that just that sounds all right, actually. <laughs> I'll swap it. Are there tips on the site how you can uh, achieve this kind of dream for yourself? Yeah, I talk a lot about solo female travel. So the idea is I just want to make it accessible for anyone to do if they really want to go travel and they're finding that they don't really have someone who wants to go with them or they're kind of getting used to the idea of, oh, maybe I should do this by myself. I just want to make it all very easy and accessible. So that's what my site is oriented around and the books that you mentioned as well. Well, you packed a lot into your week in Finland. Thank you so much for chatting to us on the podcast. Good on you, Kristen. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, Phil, we interview a lot of solo travellers as part of the World Nomads podcast. And in fact, we, as in World Nomads, are the sponsors of the Solo Travel Awards. In the last 10 years, there's been a big uptake in the number of companies that are offering tours and packages for solo travellers. So these awards are currently being judged and Tracy Nesbitt is one of the judges. Hey, Tracy. Hi. You work at Solo Traveller, so you know you've got a finger on the pulse of the growth in Solo Travel. But why did you think an awards uh, process was necessary? Uh, well, we started, uh, we just launched this last year, um, and there were two reasons for it, really. One is to really sort of uh, recognize and reward companies who are treating solo travelers well. And the other is really just to encourage more companies uh, to do the same. So we hear from readers every day about their frustration about being charged a single supplement when they travel alone. And we know that the numbers of solo travelers are increasing, so we see it as um, a golden opportunity for the travel industry. So we're trying to draw attention to the market. So it's actually a growing market. The biggest bee in their bonnet is the the single supplement. Um, so they, they, they're offended by it. They feel they're being penalized for traveling on their own. And how much, what's the worst you've heard? Anywhere from from 10 to 100% or more. Um, the I actually read in a, um, I believe it was a British um, newspaper about someone who had been charged 115%. Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's common, but a hundred percent is quite common. <laughs> so you could have taken a friend, and it would have been cheaper. Yes, in fact, I think that's what the person in the article was was saying that uh, um, <laughs> they would they would just 
uh, buy two tickets and not bring the other person. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost a, a form of discrimination, isn't it? I think that's I think that's the way that it's seen by solo travelers. Yes, because I think that less and less in society things are based on two people more there's more a greater emphasis on independence and so um it's it's striking then when someone um tries to book travel and and comes up against this double occupancy thing oh hang on can i just be devil's advocate for a while you're you're a, a travel provider and you're trying to you know you're trying to stay keep your head above water you're trying to maximize your profits uh-huh. uh, if you've got you know a cabin on a cruise that's got two beds in it that you could fill why uh-huh. why is that discrimination well i think that i mean i i think in that case what they're hoping to do is make money off the second person buying drinks right and uh, spending money um outside of the, the cost of the package but there's also i mean there are a lot of rooms that go empty that could be filled you could be getting the money of for having a single person in there rather than it going empty altogether. Okay, so there are deterrents, but why, again, is it on the rise? So I think it's on the rise for a few reasons. I think demographics have changed, lifestyles have changed, and travel has become easier. So in terms of demographics, I can mostly speak for Canada and the U.S. This is the first time in history where single people have made up the majority of the population. Um, so in Canada, for instance, the most recent numbers we have are that the number of one-person households has surpassed all other types of living situations here. So 28% of Canadian households are, are have just one person. Um, so that's a, a we're at a kind of a unique time in history, I think. Um, lifestyle changes as well. People are marrying later, having children later. Um, there, I think, as I was saying before about independence, I think it's it's become sort of more valued over time. But also that um, people, uh, couples, um, will also uh, travel independently of each other, at least some of the time. Uh, it's not, you know, in my parents' generation, they would never have thought of traveling alone without one another. But that's very different today. You're a solo traveller yourself, I don't know, and it's probably a personal question to ask whether you live on your own or not, but you do do a lot of solo travel. What have been your experiences? Um, I've had, solo travel has been um, really great for me. I discovered on the first um the first international trip that i took i went with a friend who didn't really know very each other very well um and i discovered on that very first trip that maybe maybe traveling on my own <laughs> was going to be something uh, to try um and but the i've really had really wonderful experiences that some of them that you're more likely to have uh on your own than um uh, than with others, because if you're traveling with other people, you're engaged in a relationship with those people and you're experiencing things together and talking to each other. But when you're on your own, you're more open to um, conversation with new people and you're kind of more um, present or in the moment and aware of your surroundings. So it's a bit of a different, um, a bit of a different thing. Um, I think the, some of the best times I've had traveling on my own have actually been when I've gotten lost. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it's really, you know, the great thing about traveling solo is that you can have a plan or you can not have a plan or you can make a plan and not stick to it. Um, the really that 
ability to be spontaneous and to stumble upon something really interesting and then completely change <laughs> what you're going to do is a really, it's very easy when you're by yourself. Thanks, Tracy, And yeah, good luck to all those solo travel companies that have entered. Now, Phil, I've already shared my fun fact on the ratio of saunas to people <laughs> in Finland. The stats are 3.3 million for 5.3 million people, to be exact. And I will have more Finnish facts to share before the end of the episode. But what's making travel news? Uh, travel to New Zealand is booming with visits to the nation up by 30% in the past three years. 3.8 million visitors landed last year, in effect doubling the population. The population, it's only just over 4 million for New Zealand. So what's been the attraction? Uh, well, it's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, well, obviously. All the hiking, all the, you know, the uh, natural wonders, all that pure sort of um, wilderness that you can get involved in. I've been three times, but only to the South Island. I've never been to the North Island. Ah, okay. So They're the really wild bits in the south. Yeah, oh, beautiful, stunning. Yeah, but you've got all the coromandels and everything in the north, right? Yeah, but I've just, I've always gone in winter and okay. you just, Bisking. yeah, you've got to experience it, stunning. Anyway, so because of this boom, the government, who's Prime Minister, by the way, has just given birth to a baby girl Congrats. the last couple of days. Nice. Not sure how she's going to manage that and run a country. But Are you serious? <laughs> oh, come on. That is the most on. sexist thing I've heard anyone say. Okay, I apologise. <laughs> But surely you've got enough in the first couple of weeks. What? Okay, so, no, all right. So I, a woman has a baby and they can't work. They can't do anything. No, 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 no. But it's just going to be pretty full on, isn't it? Nannies? Right. Can, we redo, can we redo this section? Because I'm backtracking <laughs> yeah. so fast now. Even you've got a nanny and you're a man. Yeah, okay. All right. I apologise. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Apology anyway, accepted. All right. Anyway, there's been lots of complaints that all the these beautiful hiking tracks are being overcrowded and there's been litter left around as well. Oh, come on, take it with you people. So they're going to build more of these facilities and do some you know, environmental protection stuff, stuff. But this means international arrivals will be paying for it. Roughly 25 US dollars for a tourist tax every time they enter from mid-2019. Uh, the Australians, the most common visitor, the most... You know, most more Australians than any other nation, yeah. nationality you go there, and of course South, some South Pacific island nations they're exempt. But everybody else is stumping up twenty five bucks. What do you think? Do you think that's all right? Do you know, like okay, you, as the government says, it's only fair that they pay a little bit their fair I, share, or are they already bringing in millions and millions of dollars, which is more than enough of a fair share? I tell you, putting a tax on protecting the environment it says something, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. When I visit. New Zealand, I'm an international visitor. I would expect us to pay the same $25. You're happy with paying at, an extra $25 oh, to get to New at, Zealand? If it protects the tracks and it protects, you know, picks up the litter and does all that sort of stuff, absolutely. Would okay. you? Uh, yeah, I don't mind it, actually. But, I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, the, the counter-argument is that people go and they take lots of money in and contribute millions to the economy anyway. So, so why do we have to bung an extra tax on top? It's okay. just lazy government. I'll counter-argument your counter-argument. <laughs> You've already got the money. Uh, What's another 25 bucks going to be to you? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Well, what are your thoughts? Give us an email, podcasts at worldnomads.com. A volcano on the Galapagos Island in uh, Ecuador has erupted, spewing lava into the sea. Why do volcanoes spew? Why don't they just, you know, pour? I don't. <laughs> anyway, so it spewed lava into the seas <laughs> as well as gas and smoke being thrown three kilometres into the air. The volcano is on the island of Fernandina, which is not 
the inhabited islands is an uninhabited island and it's been going off a little bit since about 2009 but this is a really big eruption the uh, Galapagos National Park Authority says there's no plans to go and evacuate animals from the island they're okay but winds have carried the volcanic ash west as far as uh, Guam in the western Pacific what else you got? Okay Bangkok's tourist police have rounded up more than 100 people in one of the biggest operations targeting tourist scammers Police hit the uh, busy tourist sites around the Grand Palace, which are notorious for the, these crooks, arresting a bunch of touts, vendors, tuk-tuk and taxi drivers for allegedly hassling tourists. Uh, reports say they reacted to a recent surge in complaints from tourists over being lured t- to overpriced shops or bait-and-switch tactics for river cruise trips perpetrated by tuk-tuk drivers, which we all know about. All right. Uh, stricter rules about what can be carried on board US flights with the TSA banning powders greater than 12 ounces. That's about 350 grams. It's quite a lot. That's 350 grams. That's quite a big tub of powder. That's like. I don't know. Do people still use powder? Well, it's not just talcum powder, but like cosmetic powders as well. So Marie Antoinette's going to be in trouble. <laughs> Uh, but like protein powders as well. So ah. any sort of powdery substance, got more than 12 US ounces, which is about 350 grams, put it in your checked luggage because it's going to get stopped from going on board if you put it in your carry-on. And British Airways is warning of a summer of misery for the UK for inbound travellers as the queues at Heathrow's passport control grow once again. This was happening last year. It's on again. The airline says at peak times, arriving passengers can spend two and a half hours in the queue. They've, they've got to come up with a more it's efficient way to move the It's longer than some of the flights to get there from Europe. You've got to come up with a more efficient way of dealing with that. So I went to Fiji with my family a few years ago when the kids were quite small, and that is an absolute – it's like a sheep farm yeah. trying to get you through a gate there. But they've got these guys wandering around, and if they see a family with small children, they take you to the front of the line. I've, get- I've also done the wheelchair trick. <laughs> Even though I had Hang to on. Wait a minute, I get bashed up for being sexist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Kim, you must remember if you're going to have a go at somebody. <laughs> You've got to be squeaky clean. Exactly. Yeah, all right, that's my news. Thanks for that. When someone writes an article titled The Naked Fins yep. and you're doing a podcast on Finland, yep. you have to track this person down. Welcome, Maddie, to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Nudity. Finish. Yeah. We've touched on it in this podcast that there are almost as many saunas as people in Finland, and they they do it in the nud. Tell yeah. us more. <laughs> in the nud. <laughs> or it's better than nude. Phil says international nude. Po- nude. 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 An international yeah. podcast. Naked. Naked. They do it naked. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. No. They they just really like being naked. Um. They sauna with their parents and, like, family friends up until the age of 14, completely naked, even older for some people. And it's just a bit weird. Well, I'm glad glad you said that because, you know, from, let's say, age 10 to 14 when you're developing, the last thing you want to do is sit nude with your parents. Yeah, right. Or, like... Your great uncle Bernie, who was at the barbecue when you were born, or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah, but, but look, I mean, like we're putting our own, you know, cultural values on it here. I mean, I, as I've mentioned, I, I was in Helsinki once for about a week, and um, yeah, they do love 
getting nuding up in a in a sorter. But I mean, it's um, I mean, it's like when you read about people who are into you know naturism or whatever. They say it's very liberating the way, and it's not sexual at all. Good on them for being confident and being able to do this. And I guess that does feed into their culture a lot. They are more confident people, and they don't really talk that much, but. Good on you. <laughs> what else? I mean, what else do you did you notice about you know the Finnish culture and about the Finnish attitude to life? The thing that struck me the most about the Finnish people is they're just so calm and so peaceful. Like, so I went up into the forests in Finland, and it's just like a whole other world up there. And they they take nature so seriously that it's it's so kind of like calming on who you are as a person. I was reading the other day um, that they they have plans to make uh, Helsinki car-free within about the next five years or something like that with, uh, you know, on-demand public transport and uh, proper bicycle uh, networking system, but which will reduce the amount of traffic in Helsinki – but Finns are very reluctant to get rid of their private vehicles because everybody owns a cottage out in the forest somewhere and they yeah. all like to go away. Yeah, you go there on a weekend and there's just no one in Helsinki. They've, they've all left for the weekend to go to the forests. But I think that's common across most of Scandinavia. Like, they're all about energy saving and, like, renewables and all that. But at the same time, they're like... We need our really big cars to go into the mountains. But you also say, Matt, Maddie or Madison, that they don't really, the Finns don't really fit into the Scandinavian way of life? Yeah, so they're a little bit more... So if you take the two kind of like Northern European groups, so the Scandinavians and the Balkan, Baltic, sorry, um, the Scandinavians are very sleek and stylish and just ikea and everything's black and white and gray and and super streamlined and efficient and just all of that stuff and then you've got the baltics who are just super colorful and super loud and just everything's passionate and they're all a bit artsy a little bit hipster finland kind of exists in between those two circles so finland is a bit crazy they have that weird up and down kind of language that just makes everybody laugh and they have a really good sense of humor and the cities are quite colorful and quite but they're also like yeah we're scandinavians yeah we're, we're part of scandinavia we're not part of baltics and then they do have that kind of designy element that whole ikea like furniture and homewares and all that kind of stuff that we come to know from scandinavia and they have a really big industry of it in finland and so they kind of sit between the two of them, but they don't, they, they're their own cultural thing altogether. It's, it's really interesting. They sit on kind of like the blurred lines of two cultures. Uh, but is there not some sort of a little bit of friction with the Swedes, though? Do they? Um, yeah, because I think a lot of people, a lot of like the Scandinavian countries were at some point controlled by Sweden. They were a bit of the stronger power in that region for a very long time. And... Sweden was controlled pretty much all of Finland and then into the Baltics as well. They always sort of got along with Norway, but um, <laughs> they also controlled a lot of Denmark as well. And so all of the flooring options at IKEA have 
Danish names to remind the Danish people that the Swedish people have walked over them throughout oh, history. Oh, wow. Cheeky little Swedish people. Oh, but, there I was just shopping and I didn't know I was part of a culture yeah, war. <laughs> yeah, you're a part of this now. And, um, yeah, so the, the Swedish people are kind of little, like, jabbers all over Scandinavia. What do you mean by jabbers? What do you like, mean? They, they have these little jabs at everyone. Like, they have flooring options named after Danish countries. I think their chairs are named after Norwegian places because, like, they just sit on the Norwegians or something. They, like, the Norwegians prop them up. We sit on you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just bizarre. But, yeah, I think the Swedish people are the ones who are most specifically in Scandinavia who are like, no, Finland's not Scandinavia. Scandinavia ends at Sweden. They're something else. And the Finnish people are like, can we come to lunch too? And Finnish are like, no, go sit somewhere else. So if you go to Helsinki, you don't play any ABBA songs. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And if you want to make friends with Scandinavians, do not let them know that you think Finland is awesome. Oh, oh, wow. (laughs) We're getting some tips in this chat, I tell you. Speaking of chats, you mentioned that they don't talk a lot, but then you went on to say they've got a great sense of humour. Yeah, so if you get them drunk, they chat a lot. Like they have a bit of a shell, but once you break into it, so like if you, you have to work a little bit to build up a rapport with them. But once you do, they they come out with just these one-liners that you kind of are taken aback by at first, but they're very hilarious. So you reckon it's a ten out of ten place to visit? I do, I do. I met a lot of people who I was up in, like, so I went from Finland over into the rest of Scandinavia. And a lot of people in Denmark and Sweden and Norway, other travellers I was meeting, were like, oh, I didn't get over to Finland and I didn't get over there. It's not really somewhere I thought of going. And I'm like, I don't understand. This is awesome. It was so much fun, like just completely absurd, like just basically a living Wes Anderson movie, like (laughs) that kind of absurdity in this country, but just so whimsical and so fun. Well, thanks for that insight. That's um, that's excellent. We'll share that story in our show notes titled The Naked Fins. Maddie, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. So how's that, Phil? We stumbled on a cultural war. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know. I'm like carpets. Everything Danish is a carpet. I love the chair. Gonna, we gonna, sit on you. <laughs> I'm going to go and check the names there. I'll find out about that. Okay. But, um, yep. There will, you go. Will you report back? I'll report back. <laughs> well, I promised I had more Finnish fun facts to share with you, and they are from an article which we'll share in show notes that elaborate on each one, so I'll keep them short. But did you know Finland has the most heavy metal bands per capita? <laughs> yep. Sweden and Norway have only 27 heavy metal bands per 100,000 people. Finland boasts double as much, 54 bands per 100,000 people. (laughs) Take that, Sweden. Yeah, take that. (laughs) And apparently the heavy metal is all over the radio as well, so it's not just a live band scene. It has the least corrupt government in the world, the best education system, apparently the best place for a woman to have a baby too, speaking of Jacinda Ardern, the heaviest coffee consumption, Finnish people also consume a litre of milk a day per person, which is the most in the world. And Finland makes the best mobile phone games in the world, just like Angry Birds. Super popular. Oh, Angry Birds. I'm going to have to go and play a game now. Do you play it? 
I have played it, yes. Have you really? I have, when it was He's super such popular. such a kid. <laughs> yeah. No, it's killing a bit of time, stuff like that. All right, now let's answer the quiz question. Of all the countries with which Finland shares a border, which is the longest? Russia, of course. Uh, and they fought a war with Russia, uh, the Winter War, they call it, in 1939-40, and then sided with Nazi Germany for the next couple of years to continue the fight. Imagine hating somebody more than you hate Nazis. What's the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> well, that's why. Because then when, um, you know, for the last two years of the Second World War, they then turned against the Nazi Germany and fought against Nazi Germany. All right, that wraps up our podcast on Finland. But a reminder, Phil, we now weekly. Uh, that's right. We've launched our most amazing Nomads bonus episode. Say that quickly. Uh, so make sure you check out the uh, fearless Sarah Davies from last week as she prepares to paddle the length of the Nile. And tune in next week to hear real-life explorer. Now, this bloke really is an explorer, Tim Jarvis. Yeah, Phil's chat with Tim next week. But in our next Destination podcast, we'll take you to Chile. And a reminder, you can access the World Nomads podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio and iTunes, where you can rate share and subscribe and can i just also say on the new google podcast app good stuff bye Bye. the world nomads podcast explore your boundaries